Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, we are going to be exploring traumatic brain injury. This is something that's very personal for me as I personally experienced the debilitating effects of repeat subconcussive blows to the head from over a decade of playing football. And we'll get into that story during this podcast. And I am just honored and privileged to have Andrew Marr, a retired Special Forces Green Bray author and survivor of traumatic brain injury, alongside Dr. Mark Gordon, a world-renowned specialist in TBI treatment. I first heard Andrew's story on the Joe Rogan Show after my friend who was working with Canadian Special Operations Units recommended it to me. And what you're going to hear over the next two episodes is very intense, but in a lot of ways it's inspiring, as Dr. Gordon's treatments are helping thousands of people suffering from TBI-related injuries. In our conversation today, Andrew shares his remarkable journey of triumph from experiencing over 30 disabilities from years of contact sports and combat training to taking double-digit medications to try to help alleviate his symptoms. His road to recovery is truly inspiring, but it didn't come without its challenges. His path to healing had significant impact on his physical and mental health as well as the life of his family. Today's conversation is pretty intense, and so if you have little children around, you may want to listen to this at another time. But before we get into our conversation today, if you've been listening to The Blueprint for a while and you haven't left us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you're joining us from, would you please do that? That is the best way to help us spread the message of The Blueprint because these algorithms rely on your comments, your ratings of the podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you did that. All right, now for my conversation with Andrew and Dr. Gordon. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Dr. Gordon, Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm excited to spend some time talking about a subject that's really permeating across our society. And there's a lot of things about it that are kind of a mystery, how we can treat this. But let's talk about traumatic brain injury. And Andrew, I'd like to start with you. You've actually had a TBI or probably had multiple subconcussive and serious traumatic brain injuries. Can you talk about what it is and what the experience is like from somebody that's had one? Yeah, for sure. I'll start off by saying, Eric, that I did not know at the time that I was incurring and experiencing traumatic brain injuries. All right. And I've had probably over a thousand. And here's why. I, in my entire career in special operations and as a, you know, uh, an athlete all the way through college, I was knocked out once and that uh, was brief. And I came to a short span of time, three to five seconds, you know, in combat and came back and RPGs are flying and PKM, small arms fire, uh, go back to work. Um, there wasn't any time to think about that. And then after that engagement, um, you know, with the operational tempo, that uh, our communities lived the last 20 plus years, just no, no, no thoughts given. So when life starts to unravel, mm. it became very difficult for me to understand why and to pinpoint if there was a place in time where that became, that started this, this new timeline, this new pathway, right? Because again, I am a high performer. I'm an elite performer, uh, athletically, intellectually, leadership, communication, all these different areas, quantitatively. And so again, that's, that's what's difficult here. And that's where 
Mark and I have attempted to really change the narrative, change the narrative based off of facts, science, and now our experience and our unique data set. But, you know, so I think that's a good conversation starter is how is it that you can experience what I'm saying is a, a thousand different traumatic brain injuries and not even be aware of it? And so that, that's the question here. What really constitutes a brain injury? How do we identify that? What are the symptoms? More importantly, how can we mitigate or what do we do to treat and to improve that? And I'll just, you know, fast forward, bottom line up front. All right. I was, uh, so all those traumatic brain injuries, I was forced to be medically retired, um, put on double digit medication, so labeled with 30 plus disabilities and told that I was basically going to be a vegetable for the rest of my life. And today I'm performing as good, if not better than my pre-injury status. All right. That's not special or specific to me because we've done that now over a thousand times with people who had the exact same diagnosis. So that is the, that's the story here is that an individual can return to life and actually be able to have the energy and the foresight to identify what it is they want to do with their life and pursue it in the way that they want to, whatever that means for the individual. That's what me and Mark are about. And that's what I hope this uh, uh, communication transmission is going to broad, broadcast out. 100%. Andrew, I don't know if you know, I was a football player and I'm interested to hear how you can have a thousand of these events but I have a feeling that like I had many of the similar just he head injury over and over and over again. And it didn't manifest itself until f later down the line yeah. when similar to you, I had an experience, not the exact same thing, but I started feeling like crap and got some blood work. Next thing I know, my testosterone's almost zero. They end up doing an MRI contrast MRI. And they find that like my pituitary gland has got like, it looks like an old hemorrhage on it. <clears throat> Something happened in my brain, but I yeah. didn't know. And, um, and so let's talk about this. Like how can this happen over and over and over again? And you don't have this recollection of this one moment where the lights went out, you know, and you're like, crap, I'm in trouble. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and, and so Mark can bring the, the, the science and the clinical side of this, but like for you, for me, for playing football, right? I was a lineman, all right? Mm -hmm. Lineman all the way through um, college, offensive lineman, center and guard, leading with the head, uh, uh, you know, back then. And how many times in one practice did we call, quote unquote, getting your bell rung or seeing stars? I don't know, man, three or four, five times of practice. Um, and you're going hard in full pads three times a week was how we did it and when I was in college. And sometimes oh. even on uh, Thursday, which was the fourth day, you know, it was supposed to be a, a lighter day. So multiply that over time, man, that's a lot. And then so we see that playing out mm -hmm. with cats in college, uh, guys in the NFL, like that, that's well documented. But now transpose that into the environment of warfare and then more specifically special operations, where for the first time in human history, we have individuals in close proximity over a, a long span of time to explosive blast waves. And I mean, so rel relatively, World War I is the first time that that's really happening. And then that, that progressively, we're getting closer and closer, right? And so now we're putting explosive charges uh, on doors or, or, or very close, or very close to the charge, and we're blowing that, all right? So to be proficient at that, just like being proficient in anything else, you crawl, you walk, you run, and you do it over and over and over again. In every scenario, imagine under as many conditions as imaginable so that when 
the bullets are flying for real, you can perform your job and execute it at that high level and then get on the other side and then get to work. So in order to be able, like I said, to perform at that level prior to even stepping into a combat situation, you're exposed to hundreds, thousands of blasts. Now, what happens with a blast? That's a violent chemical reaction. It's going from a, a solid or a liquid into a gas, all right? And that gas then moves out in a 360 direction, 360 degrees direction. And we now know, of course, that fills up every airfield organ of the body. The brain is floating in cerebral spinal fluid, and it's going to rock back and forth, left and right, a lot of times. Mark can probably give specific numbers, but a lot of times with one blast. By definition, every time that this, the brain bounces off the skull, that is a traumatic experience to the tissue, to the brain, all right? That can sever the neurons there, leak chemicals. But the point is, like, that, that, so that is it. And every one of those, like, you feel it. Like, I don't say it hurts, but it's not pleasant. Boom! I've heard people say they're eating it. Yeah, you know, I think like an, an electric shock that's propagated over the entire body <laughs> all at once. And then these wow. go to 11. Um, it shakes and then boom, you go in, you know, and it's also, it's going to jack you up. You learn, you learn to deal with that. So anyways, that that's Eric, that's the way that somebody can experience and be in that type of an environment and have no idea that there's any negative consequences going on, right? Because we don't have a, a window into the brain every day and it's, you're not missing an eye, you're not missing a limb. There's nothing to think about, man. I, you know, these individuals are doing their thing. And so it wasn't until like much later on, 10 years into the engage, engagement, I'm talking, you know, in the global war on terrorism, that we started to see kind of disastrous effects, unusual effects in the special operations community. Now, the unique thing about that is the guys in, the, in that community, they're screened specifically to be psychologically, emotionally uh, resilient, you know, in addition to their, you know, their physical and intellectual capabilities. So actually screened and developed and cultivated over time. And then these individuals, they're paid to make the most difficult decisions in life and death situations. That's what we call work in that line of work. And those individuals started to kill themselves and now continue to do so in um, record numbers, especially when, um, you know, compared to the, to the civil sector and to the past, past hundred years out of all engagements continues to climb. And that became a, like a mystery. Uh, how is it that these high performers, these psychologically, emotionally resilient individuals, all of a sudden start making very poor life decisions? And then they thought that the best decision possible was to end their own life. And as far as the mm -hmm. special operations community or the Department of Defense is concerned, it's still a mystery. But it's no mystery to me and Mark because we've lived it and we live it every day. We've lived the problem. We've seen the problem. We've buried a lot of people that we love and we're sick of it. And so that's what this Andrew, is Andrew, let me ask you a question. Yeah. This culminated. This happened over and over and over and over and over again. Where did it lead you? And then where yeah. was the change? Like it gets yep. to a point and then what happened to change the, the, the trajectory that you were on? Yeah. It was 2013. That was my last combat deployment to, in Afghanistan. We were uh, in the out east it was psychologically and physically, emotionally taxing. Um, significant combat through the entirety of the rotation. It was a great trip. It was awesome. 
like I said, on that trip, I got uh, I got knocked out, knocked unconscious from a controlled detonation that we were danger close to just because of the circumstance. But that was it. All right. Other than that, it just life is normal as an operator in a combat scenario. So it wasn't until six months from returning from that engagement that I started to notice differences in the way mm-hmm. I was experiencing life. All right. So it started first kind of gradual and then picked up momentum till it was like a runaway truck going down a mountain with the brakes out. And what started first was energy and libido. All right. So my energy and and like, you know, you hear this, like energy gets thrown around all the time, but to go from a high performing, highly energy level individual to like having, not having the energy to, to do anything, man, like opening a book is incredibly taxing. You know, forget about trying mm. to make decisions, do something new or something physically uh, taxing. So like just physically, like nothing there. I don't, I don't know really a good way to describe it, man, but that's a, that's an empty and lonely feeling. And for someone who doesn't normally, that's not their, their baseline. Like that's somewhat shocking because I couldn't figure out what, what the hell is going on that. And then all of a sudden, so this is like, I'm, I'm in my very early thirties, like 30, 31, 32, something like that. Let's see, 2014, uh, yeah, 30, 32, going on to be 33. I start to experience libido issues, erectile dysfunction. All right, I'm married to the woman of my dreams. I'm highly attracted to her. She's very attractive. Unable to perform. And that was the first time in my life. And and that was shocking. And so I thought, man, mm, well, that was a very taxing trip. Maybe like my body just is going to take some time to respond. That made sense to me. And so I'll just allow it to develop. But that made for a difficult home life, man, because you're gone for six months. You want to be back together. You're back together. And now you're not experiencing the same like fire, that spark there that you did before. And so that's troubling on, on, the, on the spouse's uh, end. My wife, she was like, well, there's one of two things. Either you don't love me or there's somebody else. Neither one of them was true. That's right. But I, under- I understand mm-hmm. her perspective. You know, I can't say that I would have came to a different conclusion had the tables been turned. And so those are, the, you know, those are the start. And so now it's causing dissent and um, conflict in the house, and I'm experiencing those issues. And the next thing that uh, starts to come from that is a sense of uh, overwhelming depression. All right. Now, I don't don't have anything to be depressed about. Now, I've been uh, in special operations for the better part of a decade. All right. Deployed, you know, basically the entirety of it. I wanted to continue to do my job, and that's what I felt was my purpose in life. So I was living my purpose. I wasn't hung up on any of the decisions that were made or that I made in combat and wanted to get back to doing just that. So again, like this over now, it's like overwhelming sense of depression. This is brand new to me. And so what does that mean? Like depression, like waking up to find out like my family was murdered or that like my team, Mm. my special forces team died at at the mistake that I made. You know, it was that that's the only thing I kind of like equate, like what am I feeling? And it wasn't like, oh, it's transient, like wake up and that's there. And I can't just anything kind of like almost like a cloud. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like you know, there was a uh, light and then boom, this, this overwhelming, just dark cloud, you know, a hurricane is hovering at all times, but it's not a hurricane because it's not moving. It's just stationary. All right. And, uh, so, so that's there. And I can't, I can't figure that out, man. My internal dialogue, my entire life is positive. All right. I'm optimistic. I'm positive, upbeat. Let's figure out a way to get it done and let's get it done internal dialogue starts to turn negative 
and I'm, I'm now aware of it. And I'm like, Oh shit, man, like, where's that coming from? And, uh, and so I have the ability to say, okay, that's not me. I am not that. But the negative internal dialogue is like turned up all the way and it's running 98% of the time. That's exhausting. That's also energy draining. It's a, that's a fucking nightmare. Then I start to experience uh, panic attacks and this, all, all this is just new to me. So, and, and I'm experiencing now what I thought was a, uh, a psychologically weak or emotionally weak individual's problems, right? A tough people don't experience this. And, uh, so mm. that's why I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So panic attacks, right? Like I'm in the weight room. doesn't matter where I'm at, at home with the children in public. And so what, the, what happened for me was like, uh, like you get that tunnel vision when you get in a fight or flight situation or scenario, all right, start, um, hyperventilating, it becomes difficult to breathe and get dizzy. And then outside of my control, I would just start crying uncontrollably mm. nothing I could do about it. Like it just had to, had to run its course and I couldn't really attribute a trigger to this. Like I experienced this and this, and this happens panic attack. Like, no man, it's just, it's going to come when it's going to come and it's going to, it's going to stop when it's done. And that was happening two, three, four times a week. And so that's a disaster with that then. And this is like rapid succession, man. Like one of these are getting layered on uh, a week and then I start to notice like, oh my gosh, like I'm having trouble with my vocabulary, normal everyday words. I'm going to, Hey, hand me the tomato. And I'm asking them to hand me the book. And I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking book and I'm hearing the word tomato come out and like, you know, one time, okay, that's a weird, but over and over and over again, just normal everyday terms. And I'm not consciously making that decision, but boom, another word is going in. I like, so that's kind of shocking. And I'm seeing it more and more and more. So vocabulary is, is, is going away. Short-term memory is going away. So, you know, just driving home every day or in, in environments where I'm by myself and then coming to and having no idea where I am or how I got there or what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, that that's frightening. Um, and you know, driving home every day on this way home and then having no idea where I'm at. Uh, so, so these are compounding. All right. Now I start to have this, these problems with like rage and, um, I just, for, for situations that did not dic that dictate that level of response. So like just mm -hmm. anger, like frustration into full blown, blown rage. And now that's being expressed and manifested physically on somebody else, you know, multiple times. So, just slowly, just now we're picking up momentum, man. Now, like, uh, okay, so I'm not thinking clearly. I got negative internal dialogue. I got overwhelming depression. I have panic attacks. I have no energy. I have no libido. My sleep is disturbed. The only thing that I can do to like minimize or turn down this anxiety is to drink. So I'm drinking, yeah. you know, nonstop. And, and, and that's the point where I'm drinking and driving on a routine basis. And I realized like, Oh my God, man, I, I can't believe like that decision set was okay with me. So I asked for some help. And then, um, that's when we started to, you know, push me to on to all these different specialists, which the medical, um, team and my unit, man, all they wanted was the absolute best for me. They're like, you know, this is outside of our specialty. Let's get you to the specialist, which was, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good answer. 
what that produced man was um, getting on all those medications, not identifying any of the underlying conditions and having life be drastically worse. So again, like, you know, I'm in my early thirties now, now I'm starting to like have all these physical problems. My, my balance is, is off my vision. Uh, I'm going from, and I'm having these headaches that go into migraines every day that go into uh, blurry vision into double vision and um, you know, like not being able to, to walk in a straight line. So like that was, that's where we're, where we're at, man. It was, um, it was an absolute disaster. And that's kind of how it just, and, and this was over like a, a several month period, um, which then lasted, you know, uh, 18, 18 months or so until I got linked up, uh, with Mark. But, you know, so that is the, the very fast, just yeah. for one second before we kind of get to what happened on the other side, mm-hmm. Mark, Dr. Gordon, can you explain what's happening in his brain that's leading to the spiral? One of the great misconceptions is that in order for you to have, quote unquote, a traumatic brain injury, it should be associated with loss of consciousness. And that's not true. What we're finding is Andrew experienced with his uh, blast, uh, his charges that he would set, uh, breaching charges, is that every time he had one of those thousands blast waves, it created a micro trauma. Same thing that you get when you're riding a skidoo in the ocean or you're skiing on water or you're skiing on snow or using a pneumatic jackhammer. What's happening is the brain is being jarred, as Andrew said, back and forth, left and right. And every time it gets jarred, it creates a scenario to produce what's called inflammation. And the inflammation has a name to it, which are called cytokines. It's part of our immune system. And these cytokines, what they do is they disrupt chemical pathways, physical pathways, connections and neurons. The reason why Andrew was having some speech-related issues, maybe some physical, but the circuitry of the brain is all the different lobes are interacting to give us a straight and narrow pathway to take where we make the right decisions. But the chemistry is altered so that it does not function. So when you start losing the chemicals that control your emotionality, your state of depression because of certain hormones or your ability to sleep like melatonin, turns out that inflammation shuts down two important enzymes that help generate serotonin. Without serotonin, theoretically, it creates depression. Without melatonin, you can't sleep. And in 100% of our veterans and military population, we see they have three classical 100% symptoms, fatigue, insomnia, and depression. And that's all Mm -hmm. due to that inflammation cutting off these chemicals that are produced. So what uh, Andrew was going through was the natural progression of a small fire that's now getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it enlarges the biochemical fire enlarges, it starts shutting down, impairing, impeding other areas of communication. And that's why over a period of time, he had a addition of symptoms on top of symptoms, a worsening of symptoms, because it doesn't stop until you proact- you actively intervene to stop the process. You need to so- intervene, stopping the inflammation. And the inflammation is what causes in our sports professionals and in our military to lose hormone production. 
We know it as a fact based on science as far back as 2013, where they found where inflammation in the brain shuts off the chemical that regulates your ability to make all your hormones, androgens and estrogens. So, so what he, go ahead. yeah, so we basically have a forest fire that started as a little kindling and it got set off in different areas and now it's just raging and it's burning everything down in its pathway and this is inflammation and so it's gradually just shutting one thing down the next thing down the next thing down and you're trying to fix this with you know just prescribing things and it's like flying over with the water and you know one flyover next flyover it's really not doing much it it sounds like it's getting worse what did you do, Dr. Gordon, to intervene to start getting this forest fire to calm down? And I'd love to hear that. And then, Andrew, I'd like to know on your side, what happened and what did it feel like? And, you know, how long did this take? So what we developed you got it. over a 14-year period of time is... Dr. Gordon, a, could you could you come forward just a little bit? Sorry. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So what we developed over a 14-year period of time is a biomarker panel that reflects the status of the brain and its production of hormone, as well as certain hormones like vitamin D that influence the quality of the brain, and zinc, and molybdenum, and a a whole bunch of other things that uh, influence the presence and absence of uh, inflammation. And one thing is that 100% of our military veterans and active military that we've seen all have a history predating their enlistment of one form of sports, whether or not it was MMA, football, hockey, um, you know, boxing, they were all predisposed to inflammation. When they entered into the military, that ended up being the straw that broke the camel's back to push Mm -hmm. over. So we run this biomarker panel. We find uh, deficiencies and insufficiencies. And, Part of the um, deficiencies are due to that inflammation. Oh, we have blood tests where we can see generically, not specifically brain, generically the body is inflamed. So when you find these parameters, what you want to do is drop the inflammation so that your natural production of hormones can come into play. But until that happens, we'll give a small amount of certain hormones. Hormones, yeah, cat. I just bathed them so it's hair in the air. Oh my gosh, your your audio is amazing now. Oh, it is? Okay. (laughs) I just blew it out. There you go. So um, (laughs) what we do is we address the underlying inflammation and the uh, deficiency of hormones, and we monitor them on a monthly basis, not with labs, but by how are you doing? And it's Mm. called a monthly program questionnaire, and based upon how they respond to this questionnaire of 25 questions, we know what direction we need to modulate or adjust until three months when we get a follow-up blood test, which tells us how well our initial treatment is working. And if it's not working well, we know already because of how they've responded to these monthly questionnaires. And then what we do is on the blood test is we'll regulate what we haven't achieved. Now, you know, you can give 10 milligrams of X and 20 of Y and expect everybody to do well. That ain't the case. Everybody is so unique. So we have a very customized uh, program based on each individual's um, results, reaction, response. So you use subjective measures as kind of a leading indicator, and then the objective is, I'd say, lagging. But 
it's it's kind of like it's easier and more frequent to get the subjective measures of how do you feel because there is a relationship to what's going on biologically and then you come back with these objective measures goes let's dial this here 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 and here andrew when you started on this protocol how long did it take before you started to realize like started feeling better (laughs) yeah i almost started feeling better like instantaneously um and the reason why was i was just severely depleted and deficient in a a number of those hormones and so mark ran a calls a provocative uh, testosterone uh, test just to see how i respond and and so he gave me a shot of the cipionate uh, propitionate blend um that he's developed and Man, I felt better within hours and, you know, it lasted until it moved out of my system. And it was like for the first time I was be able to live without like that anxiety, which was equated to like this fist in my stomach that was like mm. trying to come out of my stomach. That was just something I lived with and that vanished. And that was the first time that I really saw like, oh man, there's a, there's a path forward here. There's a, there's an alternative course than what I was told. And so it only got better when I got on the protocol and and has continued that since early 2015. When did you really start to see that like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm functioning really well. Yeah. I mean, the the brain and the body is an adaptable organism. It doesn't just happen overnight. Now this provocative thing. Yes. It's kind of an indicator like, boom, okay. They're they, okay. We're going to give it like a, an acute little thing here, but how long until you were like, okay, I'm, I'm really starting to wake up and feeling like myself again. Yeah. I mean, within the first three months, and then I would say within the first six months, um, I'm, I'm back to my pre-injury self. And then it's just been, um, oh, you know, you, your life comes on track off track and, and a disaster ensues after, you know, some difficult times and years, like that's going to take some time to heal some of the cracks there talking about with the family and with your uh, personal life and professional life and all those other things. But from the state of being, having the clarity of mind and the, uh, the composure again, to figure out how to put those pieces back together and how to orient or reorient myself and towards the direction in which I wanted to pursue. Like that's all you can ask for, man. And, uh, that came back mm. in that, in that first 90 to 120 days and, and six months, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm there and it's time to start picking up pieces. That's amazing. And so you guys have wrapped this in the warrior angels foundation. Can you talk about that and what your mission is and how, I mean, if anybody's listened to this, you're like, here's a guy that was on the brink and we know what's been happening. A lot of us may be listening of lost loved ones or friends um, I came from a football community and there's people I know, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. junior Seau, right? Really great example. But other people that I know that have had tragic outcomes and like what, uh, t- let's talk about this and how people can support this. What are you guys doing and where is the state of this foundation? Well, what we're doing is we wanted to deliver the treatment protocols that Dr. Gordon has created. And those were, those were worked on over the last 20 plus years. So Dr. Gordon has spent the better part of half of my life cultivating, iterating, and putting this thing together. All right. The Department of Defense does not uh, offer this uh, treatment paradigm. 
So the people that need it the most, they don't have access to it. All right. So everything that I did as far as getting my self-care, I had to come out of pocket while I was still in the military. And uh, to go and see Dr. Gordon, he was, you know, in, in Los Angeles. I'm up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Like I had to take leave and uh, pay out of my own pocket and fly down there, you know, and see him type of thing. And I was doing, I was going all over the country doing that, doing different brain centers and, and whatnot. So we, we incurred an incredible amount of expense, which really equated to an incredible amount of debt. So here I am, man, like all I ever did was attempt to do my best, serve the country um, honorably acted honorably. And, uh, as a consequence of that service, I was injured and was tried to tell, be told like it was purely psychological and that the treatment modalities that I wanted to pursue, well, you can pursue them if you want to pay for them, but we're not going to cover that expense. And even though you're highly trained and we spent a lot of time, money and effort to elevate and cultivate you, we can no longer use that highly developed skill set take this double digit bag of medication, these disabilities, this laughable retirement check and uh, have a good life. Good luck. Thank you. And it's easy to understand how somebody in a brain traumatic, you know, brain state, a brain deprived state in that situation could be like, what am I, how am I supposed to, to move forward in any capacity now? I had a wife and, and five children at that time. I have seven now. What, is, seven what kids. does that mean? Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like what? Uh, well, that'll cause some traumatic brain injuries just in and of itself, man. <laughs> I got three boys. <laughs> what, is, seven, what does that mean, goodness. right? So, hey, I can't identify <laughs> why, why my life has gone this way. I don't know what to do about mm -hmm. it. And the future is bleak. So that's what we're, we're Angels is attempting and has stepped into to fill that gap to the best of our abilities. So what we've done is uh, got that same level of care, that personalized treatment protocol that identifies these things that allow you to, to, to treat that in a personalized way. And we've done that for a thousand individuals uh, from active duty and veteran um, arenas since 2015. And we're continuing to do so. And so, you know, there's been many evolutions and we're at a, we're at a, a, a a very exciting next chapter and next evolution uh, right now. But at the heart of it, you know, that's, that's why it exists. It exists because there's a major gap. Can we get to everybody? No, we have not been able to, but we've been um, uh, look at asymmetrical ways that we could still fill that gap with information and allow people to understand that there is alternatives to what I was told was a life sentence, a one-way track, and to present individuals with that information and then they can decide for themselves what they want to do about it. But, but, but that to me has been one of the most important things is the educational and informational aspect that me and Mark have been uh, doing together since 2015 on shows like this, Eric. If, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, this makes so much sense. How do I, how do I engage? Where would you point them to? Yeah, our website is warriorangelsfoundation.org. And uh, if you're wanting um, support and care, there's just pathways there that you can click on and do that. Our requirement is to be a, a veteran or an active duty service member. And we're also minimizing that to someone who is experienced combat. So it's easier for us to equate that their injuries have come directly from in service. But those are kind of the, the qualifiers there. And then um, people can come into the, they'll go into our, our queue and then we'll, we'll, 
treat them accordingly. And like I say, that's that's the process that we've been doing that since 2015. People can donate yeah, there don't, as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's super simple, man. Uh, there's a donate tab. There's a one, you know, treatment tab, and then everything that you need to know about us as an organization uh, is all there. I just want to say this: like, look, I did not go to war, uh, but I played football, and my brain got messed up. And I was almost the same age. I had like zero testosterone, and I had no energy. I hear I was at Florida State University at the time. I was in a senior leadership role and I felt like absolute dog crap. My body had like melted and it is a helpless feeling. It is like an island, especially when you know, like this is where I was and I'm doing all these things and here's where I am. You know, some of the advice I got at the beginning was just awful. And when I met Dr. Gordon and started talking to him, I was like, this guy knows exactly what he's doing and they have got this thing dialed in. And so I can't really explain where you, I, I mean, I can't put myself in your shoes, Andrew, but I was like maybe halfway there. Yeah, I had, you know, all the set, a lot of the same symptoms. And so if you're listening to this, like there are a lot of people out there that are suffering right now. And if there's a way that you can get in the fight and help, this is a wonderful way to do that. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'll add, um, Eric, that uh, Mark and I have done a, a lot of media since then. But, you know, Mark has a great book on the clinical side. We wrote one called Tales from the Blast Factory um, that kind of depicts and, and chronicles what, what does it like, look like really to experience and, and live through that. And then uh, as important or more importantly, you know, what was the solution applied and uh, we've been told by, by many sources in the academic, clinical, science, and then obviously experiential that it, it really does a good job of painting a picture of what that life is like and then also presenting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the solution. And then that's made its way into the film uh, documentary Quiet Explosions, which just there, there's, there's not anything else out there like it that's done the job of, again, showing what can be the cause and the effects of these traumatic brain injuries. Then not only does it affect mm. special operations or NFL Super Bowl MVPs or, you know, Guinness Book of World Records, big wave surfers, it, it affects everybody. And this is what, this is what the bottom looks like. It doesn't matter who you are, but mm. here are some alternative treatment modalities that are proved to work based on this data and all these exper experiential, mm -hmm. you know, data sets that we have now. So quiet explosions, healing the brain. I can't say enough about it, man. In less than 90 minutes time, you're going to be taken and, and be able to comprehend all these advanced neurological concepts, but then also know like what can be done about it or where can I go and, and uh, look for more information to expand on the things that were talked about here. So quiet explosions, healing the brain does that. Yeah, I've watched the I've watched the movie. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's phenomenal. It's really going to give you a, a bit more in-depth understanding of the problem set. Thanks again for listening to the Blue Prep podcast. And if you were inspired today by Andrew's story, would you please consider supporting the Angel Warriors Foundation? There's a link in the show notes. I highly recommend you check it out. And if you know somebody that is suffering from TBI, check out Dr. Gordon's protocols. Some of these protocols, the doctors that he actually trained impacted my health. And so I can personally attest that these things work. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.